do something I don't normally do on Sunday mornings. I want to take a poll. How many of you this coming week would like people to be a little nicer to you? Oh, that's about everybody. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how many of you would like people to stop telling lies? All right. Just hold on to that thought for a minute. I think everybody raised their hand or probably was going to. I want to talk about um, a phrase you've probably heard before. You reap what you sow. We've all heard that, right? It's actually biblical. It's in there a couple of times, kind of. We, it's not wrong the way we say it, but it's not necessarily written quite like the way that we say it. That's all right. Uh, we see this actually uh, talked about a lot in Scripture, a lot of discussion about crops and agriculture, about planting. Of course, that would have made really, really good sense to everybody at that time because everyone was engaged in some form or another, either in growing some type of agriculture or was very close to the concept and would have been very familiar with it. Not quite as much today, so we have to explain, just especially for the younger ones, I'm going to be using the word reap and sow a lot. To sow means you're going to plant something, to reap means you're going to harvest it. So just so everyone's on the same page as we read through the scriptures, uh, when we plant something, we're going to sow it, and when we harvest it, we're going to reap it. And again, there's lots of different discussions in the Old and New Testament, examples of planting and harvesting, sowing and reaping, Um, and it goes back and forth. And of course, we have this very well-known phrase, you will reap what you sow. A couple of thoughts on this uh, before we get into the scriptures specifically. This is uh, something that we don't really like to think about very often, and I've been told, the only thing I've ever been told not to preach on here is patience, and I'm just patiently waiting for the day that I do that, Um, and I won't specifically talk about that a lot today, but I'll point this out. Uh, If you want something in return for what you plant, you have to do what? You have to wait, (laughs) right? So as we look at this today, we talk about planting and harvesting, let's keep in mind that sometimes we have to wait a little while for these things. And that's certainly something we don't like to do in our culture, but it's really embedded in this concept that we're talking about. The other thing I want to point out at the beginning is that oftentimes we will uh, reap or harvest more than we sow. We see this scripturally. Uh, Matthew 13 and 8 says, Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So this idea that we oftentimes will get more than what we Put into the ground. That can be a very good thing or it can be a very bad thing. Sometimes one little tiny lie leads to a lot of heartache. Anybody ever experienced that? Of course, the inverse is true as well. Sometimes doing the right thing can lead to an abundance of good things. We often call this um, the law of the harvest, right? And we see this in Scripture. If you plant apples, seeds, you get apples. If you plant corn, you get corn. And those things like that. And so we often see that this is associated, and even in our minds, we, I think, really associate this with a bad thing. In fact, maybe this is when we most often think about this proverb, this little phrase, is when we experience something bad or we're trying to warn someone not to do something that they shouldn't do. And we'll tell them, well, you're going to reap what you sow. And so if you put bad things in, you're going to get bad things out. 
And this is certainly very true. We see this multiple times in Scripture. I'm going to read just a few verses real quick, and then I'll have you turn to a chapter. But Proverbs 22 and 8, the first part says, Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. It's aligned with what I just said. Hosea 10 and 13, the first part says, You have plowed iniquity or sin. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies. This is very true. You put bad things into the ground, you get bad things. You put bad things into your life, you get bad things. Thankfully, God has mercy on us sometimes. We don't always get what we deserve. Very thankful for that. I'm sure you are. Romans 9, 15, he reminds us, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. The reality is that we have all sowed or planted sin in our lives. And the nature and the fact that we don't always harvest that is God's blessing on us at times. There are also exceptions to this law. Not everything that we do results in something that's negative, and I want to spend just a minute to talk about that, and this is all kind of the preamble to the passage. It's in, uh, maybe possible for us, and sometimes occurs in some folks' minds, that every little thing that they do is going to result in something in return. Or sometimes the bad things that we experience in life are a direct result of the things that we have sowed earlier in life. And while sometimes this is true, it's not always the case. And we see that perhaps most clearly in Job, who was suffering, as you recall, greatly. And his friend came to him and said, As, as I have seen, those who plow iniquity, sow trouble, reap the same. And so Job's friend comes to him and says, Look, you're clearly suffering because you have done something wrong to start with. But as we know, if we study the book of Job, that wasn't the case in this situation. And so the, the point of all this is that we are familiar with this concept. It's found in Scripture. And very often we do see the concept that if you sow uh, bad and poor things, you will get back bad and poor things. It's not always the case. It isn't necessarily a one-for-one one because God is, in fact, gracious to us to not always give us what we deserve. Because if we're all honest, we deserve nothing good. But it works the other way, too, and that's really what I want to focus on today. If we look at the Scriptures and realize that what we sow, we will reap, we can also say if we sow good things, we will get what? Good things back. Right? So if you want more uh, people to be more honest with you this next week, what should you do with people this week? Be honest with them. If you want people to be kind to you this week, what should you do? You should be kind to them. If you need generosity, what should you be toward other people? Generous. So often we see this only taught in the negative. Don't do this or you'll get X, which is bad. And while that's true, and we cannot and should not take away from that, let us not forget that if there's something in life that we're desiring to have, something that's good, the way that we can help receive that is to do what? The same to other people. And many times we always hear the negative, but the positive is just as important. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, But the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. And so we must begin to think about what we can do to sow righteousness. And so all that, if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll be there for a few minutes. I know I cited a whole bunch of verses 
to start with, and that was really just to set the stage. But I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to read verse 6 through 15. So 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will provide thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them and all the others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So that's the um, second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And just to make sure we're clear on the context here, although not really the entire focus of the message today, this is talking about Paul, who is asking the church to be prepared to give the gift that they had already said they would to help his ministry and the other small churches that are around Asia Minor. And so we see here that this is, in fact, talking about a gift that the church, the individuals of the Corinth church are going to give to others, but it's not just exclusively about money. And I'm afraid sometimes we may shy away from preaching on this topic because we might think, well, there's a lot of preachers today who are preaching this and asking for money for themselves. And I'm not here asking for money for myself or anything, but we want to look at what the concepts that are here have. And so it says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And the lesson that we very clearly see here is we harvest in proportion to what we plant. Now, that doesn't go away from what I said earlier, that we get back more than we often put in the ground. That's a very common concept. But understand that if we give more of the right things, we will harvest more of the right things back. And so this should sit very heavy with us today. Again, let's think about this in a positive standpoint. If we want more people to be kind, if we want more people to help us, if we want good things to come on our lives, then what should we be doing? We should be doing those good things for other people at every opportunity that we have. Not just once, not just twice, but every opportunity that we have. Because those, excuse me, that which we sow, we will harvest bountifully. And so if we want to have good things and better things in our lives, if we want to be able to do good things to other people, and then we should live into their lives, we should do good things for them as much as we possibly can, because we will receive a similar reward. 
Now we're also reminded in verse 7, it says, Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is a very important thing for us as well. It's not that we're required to give, that we have to give, but we should desire to give unto other people, both of our uh, fruit that we have, the, the surplus that we have, but also in the things that we do, in the way that we act, in the way that we treat other people. Now, there's times in our lives that we give to people when we don't really want to. You ever been there? Of course we have. But there's times in our lives, and most times, when we should give out of what we have decided to give, not reluctantly, but because we want to. And so if you find yourself not wanting to, then what should you do? Well, you should pray to the Lord for the desire to give. You should seek after God and ask Him to help you give more and more of what you have, not just for, so that you can be bountifully blessed, but that is certainly a byproduct. We should be cheerful about what it is that we give. We should be cheerful about what it is that we do for each other, not reluctantly or under compulsion, it says, because God loves a cheerful giver. And so we can stop and ask ourselves a question. Are we cheerfully giving? Do you give someone you see Monday morning a smile because you're happy to see them or reluctantly Do you give someone encouragement because you want to encourage them because you know it's the right thing to do or do you do it because you know you have to? There are so many teachers in our church and I'm sure that some days, because I'm one and can tell you, you teach because you have to. But you know as well as I do, those days are not the blessing days, are they? The days that you can walk into a classroom and teach out of the outpouring of your heart because you know that God has given you an opportunity to stand before a group of children or adults and to help them learn things about themselves and to learn things about the world. When that flows out of you in a positive way, we get the benefit from that. Those are the good days. And the reality is the same is true at whatever job you have as well. No matter what it is that God has given you to do, when you can love others, when you can live into their lives out of the abundance of what you have, that is a good thing, and God is pleased with that. Of course, the reality is God, it says in verse 8, is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See, the reality is this. It is God who works in us to do good. It is God who works in us, those of us who know Him, who are able to go out and make grace abound so that we can give to others that we are around. And so if you feel at times in your life that you're at the end of whatever it is that you're able to give to another person, then who should we go to ask for uh, help with that? We should go ask God because it's God to begin with. God provides for those of us when we are trying to give to others and gives us everything that we need to have all sufficiency. When we really stop and think about it, we don't need that much. But God gives us plenty. And it's certainly true in our culture today, we are given a significant amount. All of us probably have more than we could ever really need to have. And yet we are satisfied and full. The same is true when we think about the things in life that we can give that aren't tangible. God gives us an amazing amount of love, so how much love should we give to others? Abundantly. 
God gives us an amazing peace that passes all understanding. So how much peace should we pass to others? God gives us an amazing amount of grace and mercy. So how much should we give to others? You see, God gives us in proportion to what we should give to others. And he has given to us unlimited amounts of grace and love and mercy and peace and patience. And so we should be giving the same to others. We don't have to worry about running out because there is a wellspring of life that flows inside of us because of what Christ has done. We can give and give and give and never run out of grace and love and mercy and peace because God will never run out either. And he is the one who gives and provides. He is a generous giver. He wants us to abound in good works, to grow and to abound in good works. This proverb that he quotes here, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteous endures forever. That word distributed gives with it the idea of a sower who goes around by hand tossing seeds. Not necessarily individually putting one seed in and one seed in and one seed in, but someone who's going to, without anxiety, go and spread their blessings around, hoping, praying that one of them brings forth a harvest. We too should do similarly. When we go to school, when we go to work, we should be spreading the blessings that God has given us liberally, freely to everyone that we possibly can. Giving them the encouragement that God has given us. The peace that we have, we should freely give to others. The wonderful blessings that we have in our lives, we should give back to all those who are around. Not worrying about whether we're going to run out of these things because God has provided them for us. And so we should freely distribute, not worried about or with anxiety about where these seeds fall, but simply spreading them as we can. Again, we must also remember that it's our job to plant and maybe even to water. But God gives the increase. I can go to my job on Monday or go to my school on Monday and I can do all that I should do. I can be uh, happy. I can spread God's love all around. I can give everything that I have. But you know what? I'm not responsible for whether or not it grows. And I'm thankful for that. I can simply do and spread what God has told me to do. I can share the gospel and Christ's love and I can walk away knowing that it is God who gives the increase, not I. And how many times do we in our lives try to be the one who make things grow? How many times do we waste our effort and our energy worried about whether or not it grows when it has nothing to do with us? He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply by multiplying your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He gives the increase. We're just simply to sow the seed. But many times in our lives, we fail to sow because we're so caught up with trying to grow. We're so caught up with worrying about this or with that. So worried that maybe, maybe we're going to give a wonderful, amazing, abundant amount of grace that Christ has given us to someone who's wronged us. We're worried they may not give it back. That's not ours to worry about. Ours is simply to worry about to do what God has told us to do and to give liberally to those who are in need. 
Why do we do this? Well, verse 12 gives us a hint. It says, For the ministry of his service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also is overflowing in the many thanksgivings to God. This is part of the way we give thanksgiving to God. It's by our behavior, by the things that we do, by the way that we live into other people's lives. If you have been saved, if you have become a new creature in a new creation that the Scripture says, if God is living in your life and you know Him and He knows you, then what we should be doing as a way to say thanks to God and to give blessings to others is to give unto others. To give them the things, to plant in their lives the good things that come only from God. It's one of the ways that we thank Him for what He is doing. Because He has given us, as it says in verse 15, an inexpressible, undefiable, and immeasurable gift. And that gift is our salvation. That gift is the one who is the seed that sprouted that first fruit, as the scripture calls him, Jesus Christ, who was willing to give his life for us when I had done nothing prior to this but sown bad fruit. See, let us not forget that Christ came and gave us forgiveness of our sins if we have put our faith in him when we didn't deserve it. I was born a sinner. I continued to sin. I continue to sin today. But God knew, regardless of the fact that all I had done was evil and negative things, I was not good enough to save, but he saved me anyway. This is the indescribable, the insurmountable gift that God has given us. That peace that we have that passes all understanding because of the sacrifice that his son has given. Thanks be to God for this amazing gift. Should we not carry it forward? Should we not give to others as we have been so richly blessed? I want to read another passage that talks about this. Turn just a few pages into Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, easy to find right after 2 Corinthians. And here we are reminded once again of the importance of this. We are reminded at the beginning of the chapter to bear one another's burdens. And then it continues, Galatians 6, beginning with verse 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. This is, again, another beautiful example of a reminder that we are to... Uh, to uh, um, plant good things so that we can receive good things in return. We're also reminded at the very beginning, <laughs> our ways are not His ways. We cannot mock God. We cannot think that somehow, just because someone isn't getting what we think they deserve, or they're not getting what we think they do deserve, that somehow this is God's fault. 
The reality is the scripture says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I'm sure we've all sat and looked at people and the scriptures even talked about this and wondered, how does this person prosper when they're so wicked? You ever looked at somebody and wondered that? You ever wonder for yourself, how can I receive such uh, bad things when I'm trying so hard to do good things? Let us never take that opportunity to mock God, to question God, but remember that God is not slow to keep his promises as we might think. But in just the right time, we'll fulfill them. And so let us remember, we might think that somehow there's someone in this world who does all kinds of horrible, despicable things, and yet seemingly has everything that they want. But they may not have the salvation of their soul. And when God comes for them, they will indeed receive what they have planted. And we must also likewise remember that even though some of us have been saved and know God, we may feel like we receive over and over and over again, never the good things in life. But let us not grow weary because for in due season we will receive a reward and an inheritance greater than anything that we could imagine and greater than anything that we deserve or could buy. There is no reason for us to do evil thinking that God doesn't see nor to stop doing good because we think God isn't giving us what we think that we need. We cannot mock God. We cannot think about him this way. Instead, we should be thankful that he is slow sometimes as we count it slowness so that we can reap the reward at the right time. Some of what we sow in people's lives may not be harvested for years to come and sometimes may never be harvested. We shouldn't be fooled to think poorly about God because of that. Part of the reason that I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks is I've had a few experiences recently, and I won't go into all the details. You've heard some of them, and others are, I guess, a little more private. And it reminds me what we do matters. How we treat other people matters. And won't it be interesting someday to stand back and see the harvest? Won't it be interesting someday to see how the littlest thing that you did for someone had an impact on their life? And if we're honest with ourselves, we can all think about those people who've done the same for us. The person who gave us a little extra grace to get an assignment done. The person who blessed us in an unexpected way. The person who encouraged us when we really needed that moment of encouragement. That person who corrected us when we needed that moment of correcting. That person who shared the gospel with us that helped lay the way to find Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again, we are in a community together because God designed it to be that way. And we should be giving to each other everything that we've graciously received because someday it will matter. Because someday that will matter to that person and it will matter to you because what you have planted, you will harvest. And so this entire passage says, let us never grow weary in doing good. Let us never grow tired of doing what God has called us to do. 
Just because we don't immediately see the harvest. See, this is the part where we have to wait. This is the part where we have to have patience sometimes. But we know that what we do for God lasts forever. That's what this is talking about. If we, if we pile on things for ourselves physically, the physical things in life, then we get the reward that comes physically. And how long will that last? And it's over. The man who dies, the wealthiest man in the world, doesn't have the wealth anymore. The one who has all the fame and the power in the world who passes away has nothing left. But those of us who know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the things that we do on behalf of God, the good things will be um, a reward for us in heaven and on occasion in this earth. We will receive the good things when we live into the Spirit of God and do the spiritual things that He desires for us to do. For the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I want to pause here and just make sure no one's confused by this. None of this is at all saying that we can somehow earn our way into heaven. Just to make that clear. Let me read the verse before a really famous one. Everyone's probably familiar with Romans 6.23, the wages of sin or death. But just before that, the verse reads, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and eternal life. See, the reality is that once we um, are convicted and confess to God and He saves us, we become a new creature. We are set free from the bounds of sin and become slaves instead to God. And from that, we are given good things that we can give to other people. And so what's not being said here is that somehow I can do a good enough things to finally earn God's uh, favor and a place in heaven, but instead is saying that our goodness is the direct result of God's saving grace. You see, God saves us, He sets us on the right path, and we live into this and develop and become followers after Him. We are sanctified, and we should be becoming more and more and more like Him, giving off more and more and more good things to those who are around us. And as I already said, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do not be discouraged in doing good. I don't know why this seems to be the theme of the last few weeks. How many times do we forgive our neighbor? Infinitely. We should not grow weary about doing good things. We should not grow weary about doing good spiritual things because in the right time, in God's time, which is, I tell you what, never my time, is it? But in God's time, we will harvest the benefit from it. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. What does that mean? As we have an opportunity, we should do good to other people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, we see later on that people knew who the Christians were because their love for one another. 
We should love each other to such a degree that we should always be doing things for each other to lift each other up, to encourage each other, to give each other when we happen to be in need. Whatever it is that a brother or sister needs, we should desire to do it as we have an opportunity. So let me try and summarize a few points here. First, I want to go back and talk about salvation for just a minute. As I mentioned in the beginning, we are born slaves to sin and we continue to sin until the very day that we die. And the wages of sin, the verse I didn't read but quoted, is death. We can never do enough good things to outweigh all of the bad that we've done. In fact, even the good that we think we've done by our own strength is absolutely garbage and rubbish, the scripture says. It's a worthless, bloody towel only to be thrown away. We can do nothing good and therefore deserve what? Punishment. We deserve to be separated from God, but thanks be to God who came, who knew our state, who sent his son to die on our behalf that we could have forgiveness of those sins. The fruit of Christ that was buried in the earth for three days rose and is seated at the right hand of God, conquering sin. I am thankful that we have a Savior. I am thankful that I don't have to earn my way into a place I never could. And let me go back to the previous and warn those of you who've never been saved. Don't mock God. You may have gotten along thus far, but in the end you won't. That's the harsh truth of it. You can look around and say, well, so-and-so never came to know the Lord. They made it through life just fine. But the reality is they're not fine now. You may be getting along just fine in your life and think, well, everything's going okay. I don't really have any problems. But good things keep happening to me. God will not be mocked. You will receive the reward for what you have planted. And that is death eternal. An eternal separation from God. You will not have a good harvest until you have been saved. And there are no exceptions to this. Don't mock God by thinking somehow he doesn't see you. By thinking somehow it's okay. By thinking somehow you've done good enough because the reality is you have not. For those of us who have been saved, who need to be sanctified, as I mentioned, sowing and reaping implies some waiting sometimes. And for some of us, those aren't wonderful waiting periods. Some of us go through some real trials in life. Some of you sitting today have gone through some trials in your life and have come out. Some of you are still going through trials in your life. But remember, we have a God who will help us to harvest more than we could ever plant. A God who wants to bless us. And often we think about this again negatively. What you sow, you'll reap. It works in a positive way too. We can sow the bad things in life. And in fact, if you go back in Galatians, we see what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalrous, 
dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like this. When we sow these things in our lives, what do we think we're going to receive? Even those of us who are saved, we may receive an eternal reward, but in this life, we may receive back what we put in. And it is an ominous warning to us and a warning to make sure we do the right thing. Well, what is the right thing? Well, read a few verses down and a few verses above where we're at. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are no laws against these things. And you know how much you have to possess to give any of them? Nothing. We are to live spiritually people giving what we have to the Lord and to others. If you want to receive more, plant more. And remember that God gives the increase. If you want or need patience, be patient with others. If you want or need peace, live with a caveat as much as it depends on you, as Scripture says, peaceably with others. If you need love in your life, if you feel unloved, you know what you should do? Love someone else. If you want a deeper, more meaningful love, then you should make an effort to love deeper and more meaningful to the people you have in your life. If you need prayer, you should pray more for other people. If you need help with something, then you should try to help other people. If you need some type of blessing in your life, then you should strive to bless someone else's life. And if you want joy in your life, then you should give joy to other people. What are you planting in your mind? What are you planting in the lives of others? If you're focused on fulfilling the desires of your physical life, that doesn't last. We need to focus on the spiritual things because that's the only thing that does last. And so brothers and sisters, I don't know your hearts. I don't know your minds. I don't know where you sit and everything. I do know that those who need to be saved need to be saved before you begin to worry about many other things in life. Do not think that because you've made it this far that you're going to get by. It will not happen. And for those of us who know the Lord, who have been saved, who are being sanctified or becoming more like him, then what do we need to do? We need to give as much as we have been given, which is unlimited to other people, especially our brothers and sisters. We need to love them. We need to pray for them. We need to care for them. We need to bless them. We need to help them. We need to give them peace and patience. All the good things that God has given us, we must give abundantly to those who are in need and even those who we think are not in need. And what's the result? We have more in our lives. You know what I just summed up to you? What the scriptures have made plain from very, very early in time, all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, are concepts that very intelligent men have spent decades trying to understand. They may not know the source of it, but if you go to any 
counselor today, they may tell you, well, if you really want help with patience, then try practicing patience with someone else. If you really need help with something, then perhaps you should help someone else. They may not realize that these principles come straight from the scriptures, but they do. And when we find ourselves, brothers and sisters, believers in Christ, needing something from someone else, let us not forget that what we should do is try and give that same thing back. Oh, there's days and there's times that we can't give anymore, and God understands that and we know that. There's times that we give so much of ourselves that we have to have someone who comes, but that's the time when there's the increase. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not pause and get tired or think that God doesn't see or that the reward is way too far away. But instead, let us live in the spirit and give to each other. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Pray with me for a moment. Lord, we come to you today. Lord, I ask that you would help us. Lord, that you would peel back the distractions in our minds, the things that we're thinking about, and let us think on you for just a moment. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and our lives. Lord, that you would point directly to where it is that we need to sow. Lord, for those who've never experienced your saving grace, Lord, they need to start right there. They need to talk to you. Lord, I pray that you would convict them, Lord, that they would repent of their sins and seek after you so that you can fill their lives with the good things of life so that they too can sow the seed. And Lord, for those of us who have received that forgiveness, I pray that you would give us guidance as we go throughout this life. Lord, help us remember that we are to be giving the good things that you gave us, peace and joy and love and patience and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. We should be giving those things to our brothers and sisters liberally as much as we want to, knowing that there will be a reward, whether in this life or the one to come. Lord, may we be encouraged to love each other and to give to each other. May we be encouraged to support each other. And Lord, I ask that you would help us when we know a brother or sister is weak, when we know someone is hurting. Lord, help us. Give us the strength. Give us the peace of mind and give us the encouragement to live into their lives, to put our arms around them, to pray for them, to help them in whatever ways that you give us guidance to so that we will not grow weary in doing good, the type of good that lasts forever. I pray all this in your name. Amen.